Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So much fun to be with you on video yesterday on Sunday as four-star linebacker Jalen Walker announced his pledge to the University of Georgia, continuing what has been really a red-hot week for Georgia recruiting. The five-star athlete Malachi Starks going back to Thursday, Walker uh, on Sunday, these two guys kind of connecting with each other through all of this, both big pieces of future plans here for Georgia. It has just been so much fun watching the way in which this 2022 class is coming together for Georgia, really recruiting at a level that almost no one in the country can match right now. Georgia coming into yesterday as the number two class in the country, according to the 24-7 sports composite team ranking. And when you add the, what, number four player in North Carolina, number 50 player overall, you got a bullet next to your name in a big way when it comes to UGA recruiting. That is all incredibly exciting to see. And You know, I thought it was really interesting to listen to Walker himself. And this is a very good interview. I want you to go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, as we've been doing for a while now. We'll continue to encourage you to be a Dog Nation YouTube subscriber because you really get the best of Dog Nation there, including an interview with Walker kind of wide-ranging about his UGA commitment that we were able to drop like right after the commitment took place. Jeff, obviously, up there in Salisbury, North Carolina, carving out some great relationships, forging some great relationships, and a chance to, to you know, hear from Walker on that yesterday was really, really pretty splendid. And, you know, it's unusual for Walker because because of the pandemic recruiting restrictions, you know, Walker really hasn't been able to meet face-to-face with Georgia coaches as much as other guys might. He doesn't really know them in that kind of face-to-face way, the way that you would typically think of recruits being able to do. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a positive impression of these guys and hasn't been able to connect with them, you know, deeply through technology, video teleconference, things like that. In fact, when Walker spoke with Jeff Sintel yesterday, about why it was that he was committing to Georgia, the thoughts on the coaching staff and what they've been able to do during their careers at UGA on the defensive side of the ball was a big part of that. This is what Jalen Walker had to say. I feel like those uh, group of coaches aren't going anywhere. You know, Coach Smart, you know, graduated from Georgia, you know, and I feel like University of Georgia appreciate his presence every single day. He's there, you know, Coach Lannon had many opportunities to leave, but, you know, he chose to stay at the University of Georgia. You know, Coach Schumann also as well, he's been there with the whole staff overall for many years, and I feel like this group of guys are just great together. And certainly Georgia fans have seen that themselves, and one of the things we've talked about before is is that I don't know the fact that as uh, as – Walker says there, this is really important. Walker saying, hey, Dan Lanning had a chance to leave and he didn't. And we've said on the show before that if you really look at the big offseason storylines for Georgia, there are some that have gotten more attention than that. But I don't know that's necessarily the way that it should be. And, you know, I think that there should be a lot of attention being given to the fact that Georgia was able to flex its bank account a bit to keep Dan Lanning from taking the same job at Texas, knowing that with a new head coach there in Steve Sarkeesian, he was essentially operating without a budget, free to spend whatever he wanted to spend to bring in assistant coaches. But Georgia was able to create a package that was attractive enough to keep Lanning here. And Jalen Walker says, I noticed that. And obviously with Kirby Smart's on the defensive side of the ball. And then in particular, uh, the situation with Glenn Schumann there. 
there, which is all really fun too. And by the way, he went into more detail on Schumann in the full interview. And this one, you need to try to check that out for yourself because he talks about Glenn Schumann's boot collection. You know, we're kind of this age now where sneaker collections are really hot. Apparently Schumann's got something different than that. Apparently he's going boot collection. Now, I don't quite know if this is like Western boots or, you know, something along those lines, but whatever it is, Jalen Walker said it was drip. And that's about as nice a compliment as a young man could give uh, a coach these days. So congratulations to Glenn Schumann for having drip, I guess we're going to say, as Jalen Walker said in the interview, and you really should watch the entire thing for yourself. So Georgia really, really does well in recruiting here. Malachi Starks, five-star on Thursday. Jalen Walker, the four-star linebacker, top 50 player in the country here on Sunday. Both of these head-to-head wins for Georgia over Clemson. That's something we also talked about on Friday's show. This is a really big deal. But as they say on TV, but wait, that's not all. Wait, there's more. Because in addition to getting Jalen Walker, who is a prime prospect at the linebacker spot for the 2022 class, there is also the thought here that by adding Walker, Georgia opens up even more doors in the state of North Carolina, a state, by the way, that it's done well in the past. You think about Jordan Davis, you think about Zamir White, you can think about names from there in the Tar Heel State that Georgia has gone in and done well with, but it seems like, at least according to Walker, the man of the hour from yesterday, that Georgia might not quite be done with what it wants to do in the state of North Carolina for the 2022 class. Jeff asking Jalen, hey, who are you going to work on? And Jalen Walker did not hesitate to give us a name. This is certainly very interesting. Is there anybody you're going to put the recruiter hat on and start working on now? Yeah, uh, one of the in-state guys here, Travis Shaw, you know, that's one of my good friends. We met uh, last summer, you know, ever since then, we've just been uh, great friends, you know, talking about everything, you know, going to uh, try to make visits with each other. But, you know, you know, my recruitment is in, ending kind of shorter than his, so I'm just going to keep working on him. So if you're curious about Travis Shaw, many of you already know who that is, but if you're curious, Travis Shaw lists as, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, number eight player in the country for the class of 2022, the number two defensive tackle overall, and the number one player in the state of North Carolina. So Walker Shaw have a relationship. Uh, Jalen Walker says, now I'm going to be working on Travis Shaw. Now, all of this is, of course, interesting for Georgia because, listen, you want to go back weeks ago, we were talking about the inroads that Georgia had with defensive linemen, whether it be, you know, Bear Alexander's UJ commit, guys like Mikel Williams, and, you know, maybe Kristen Miller, guys that we've talked about as potential targets for Georgia. And it seems like the relationship with them is really strong. But then after the events of last Sunday, where Dog Nation had a chance to catch up with another five-star defensive tackle in Walter Nolan, all of a sudden Jeff Sintel told us Friday here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, that yeah, Georgia actually could really much be in the mix for Nolan here, adding that to a list of coveted defensive tackles and defensive linemen that Georgia's already recruiting. But if that wasn't enough, now another five-star, at least according to Jalen Walker, that's on the table for Georgia now because of the Walker commitment here Travis Shaw also out of the state of North Carolina so to kind of bottom line all of this does the recruitment of of uh, Jalen Walker the fact that he's now committed to UGA does that really make it easier for Georgia with such a top shelf coveted prospect like Travis Shaw Jeff Sintel says yeah without any hesitation at all I think it makes it a lot easier Brandon I know everybody rolls their eyes when they talk about package deals but um, these young men talk together, and I think the words exchanged by Malachi and um, Jalen Walker to one another, two folks that had never met before, but they've been talking to one another, um, I think it solidified both of their feelings and their instincts regarding the University of Georgia. 
remember how Gunner, I mean, excuse me, remember how Malachi Starks told us the other night that uh, he sees national championships in the future. That's what that's what Jalen Walker's hoping for too. And so, what Jeff means by that is the same way that Starks and Walker quickly connected because they both had kind of a dream and a mission for Georgia, which is to win national championships. The same thing that guys like Gunner Stockton and others for this class want. Jeff's insinuation there is the reason why it makes it easier for Travis Shaw is because all of these guys have kind of have the same goal and bringing a player like Shaw is just sort of the next step in that process. Really interesting stuff with Jeff Sintel. Full interview from that. Also from our commitment special that we did uh, last night on the Dog Nation video channels or yesterday afternoon on the Dog Nation video channels. I hope you'll check that out. Then one more thing here really quickly that I want to squeeze in because this is really funny. You know, on these commitment shows, to be completely honest with you, you have a little bit of time you have to kill uh, while you're waiting for the announcement to go down because they never quite go down as quickly as you think they're going to. Now, yesterday was a little bit different thing all the way around, but you're always kind of killing some time. And so one of the things that we like to do around here from time to time is kind of, uh, you know, sort of observe the hat science, how the hats are placed on the table when it is a kind of a hat show type deal and sort of try to figure out from the way the hats look. Sometimes it's where they're ordered, how far away it might be for the prospect to reach for. And oftentimes it's the what people call like the uh, convenience store hat or something like that that looks like it's clearly never been worn. Well, yesterday we had sort of hat science to a you know a next level type thing, and somebody shared this with me on Twitter, and I want to show this to you. Pablo White reached out to me on Twitter and said, B.A., you've got to mention this on the show tomorrow. This is hat science at its best. And so it's an overhead shot of Jalen Walker before he chooses. For those of you watching on video, take a look at this hat science. To me, it looks like the only two hats that have ever been worn because they're the only ones that don't have the stickers on them are the Georgia hat, the Clemson hat, which is kind of what we were led to believe. This is a Georgia-Clemson battle. But you see the Alabama hat still has a sticker. UNC hat, even though they were the first school to offer Walker, that still has the sticker. Ohio State, the other side, sticker still on it. The only ones that were apparently really a consideration here were the ones that had been worn uh, by both Georgia and Clemson. So shout out to Dylan Teal for spotting that with his own personal hat science. And shout out to Pablo White on Twitter for uh, sending that to me. A very good job. That's sort of like the the way the apple falling on Newton's head, what that did for like gravitational science, that photo does for the uh, hat science in the recruiting world. So just an example of the fact that Georgia fans were having a very good time with Jalen Walker yesterday. And it sounds like Walker's got big plans for the class of 2022. So for Georgia fans who care about recruiting, the bottom line on all of this is it appears the fun may just be beginning. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and, of course, podcast form wherever you get them, Apple Player, Spotify, the Google Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Some of you listen directly through on SoundCloud. However you get to us, just glad to have you with us today. And a huge, huge thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it possible, equipping your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. Now, last night was a little cool, but this weekend I have had the air conditioning on. And, you know, listen, air conditioning in Georgia is expensive because it runs all the time. The one thing that you don't want is that air conditioning escaping out of your house. Bad windows, bad doors, old windows, old doors make that you know the kind of thing that you have to deal with the the sort of air around the crevices things like that the air just escapes out but not with Pella window and door of georgia not only do they keep the energy inside they keep it looking good on the outside 
Uh, they're a nationally known company branch right here in Georgia, so it's really the best of both worlds on all of that. Also, great savings for you right now. Between now and April 1st, you can get 10% off an entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. A couple different ways for you to get in touch. Website to go to PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or you can give them a call, the Pella team there at 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Just be sure to tell them that Dog Nation sent you, and they will take good care of you here today. So we're going to get John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. We'll talk to John about, you know, kind of everything that's kind of going on uh, in the aftermath of the George Pickens injury, the latest from Georgia Spring practice, the playmakers kind of stepping up in his absence. Before that, though, I do want to squeeze in a very quick version of Around the Doghouse. And we may do more on this later on in the week. I thought this was kind of interesting. Tom Ford, LACBSSports.com, talking about what Georgia does in the absence of George Pickens with his injury here as we get rolling on Around the Doghouse. And first of all, he, he makes mention of the fact that what everybody else has kind of brought up, the fact that this obviously is a challenge for Georgia. National championships, I think one of our viewers of the day called it, you know, kind of putting a dent in those championship hopes. And I think that's probably true. We all understand that. I do think it's important to note that you're not going to find much measurable proof of this, though. I was looking at William Hill, one of the sports books before the show started today. Georgia's still 10-1 to 1 to win the national championship there. Now, they don't have much of a motivation to change those odds for the better right now anyway, so they probably wouldn't. But for the idea that somehow this makes Georgia more of a long shot to win the national championship, Georgia opened at 8-1. to 1. They're currently 10-1. to 1. Not a lot of championship odds movement on Georgia on the basis of this Pickens injury alone. But to get back to the Tom Fornelli thing here, which is the purpose of Around the Doghouse here today, this is really interesting. So what Tom Fernelli looked at is kind of how Georgia uses other receivers with Pickens not there. And the, the stat that, that Fornelli really highlights here is the average route depth for Georgia receivers a year ago, which how do you go back and get all this information? That seems pretty tedious. Somehow, someway, Tom Fornelli says he has access to all of this. So this is Georgia with Stetson Bennett at quarterback a year ago. Uh, George Pickens' average route depth, 10.04 yards. Jermaine Burton's average route depth, 8.04 yards. Kyrus Jackson, 7.53. John Fitzpatrick, 5.61. James Cook, the uh, next biggest target, at .21 yards per route. So you change that over to um, the situation with, uh, you know, with, with – uh, I should say, with JT Downs at quarterback, all of, a sudden you, all of a sudden you start seeing Georgia receivers just running deeper routes all the way around. Now, obviously, one of the things that's going to be interesting about this is, is the way in which Georgia takes it to the next level here this upcoming season. Because when you did see JT Daniels become a starting quarterback for Georgia, what you also, I believe, saw simultaneous to that was kind of a late season surge for the Georgia offense that in some ways was propelled by this group just getting more comfortable with what Todd Munkin wanted to do. And I don't think there's any doubt about this, and Fornelli makes this point also in his piece there at CBSSports.com, that we're in a day and age now where wide receiver groups are almost just as important as quarterback. Quarterback remains the single most important position in any team sport, but in college football right now, the success of a wide receiver core, how you help your quarterback, is almost just as important. Look at the way in which high-powered wide receiver groups have helped big-time offenses perform. I wrote about this yesterday at dognation.com there as well. So I'm going to repeat what so many others have said and what John Stinchcomb to a certain degree will say here in just a moment, that there's obviously no shortage of weapons that can step in and fill the void while Pickens is gone, no matter how long he might be gone. But it will not be easy. But when you do see the success that very good quarterback, very good offensive coordinator pairings have had together in helping an entire wide receiver core raise its level of performance – 
I do think that gives you hope that the Georgia offense can do the same thing this upcoming season. So we'll talk to John Stinchcomb about that a lot more in just a moment, including one name in particular that John is highlighting as a guy that really could step up in a big way this season. Before that, though, I want to give a shout out here. You know, one of the things about our audience is so many of you are small business owners and so many of you you know, are kind of in the same boat in terms of trying to grow your business and have great success. And when we have a chance to kind of highlight one of those small businesses around here, we want to do that, especially a small business that can help other small businesses. So with that in mind, I'll talk to you about Event Buzz Media here for a moment. This is a video production company that works for businesses, events, personal endeavors. There's no better way to tell story, I believe, than through video. It's one of the reasons why we're on video here each and every day. This is what Event Buzz Media can provide for you there as well. High-impact video that can boost your social media preference. I should say presence is the word I'm looking for there. We know how much social media loves these videos. You can create big, high-quality videos by using Event Buzz Media for that. They've got all kinds of experience doing these kinds of things, whether it be corporate content or training videos or just stuff for YouTube. Uh, They know how to do this. Feature film, short film. Uh, If you're watching on the screen, you see the quality of the work right there in front of you. Uh, Ben Green is the owner here. This is a multi-time Golden Shoe winner for us. So Ben is not just a good friend of Dog Nation, but a big fan of you. GA. And as I say to you guys all the time, it's always really fun to connect with companies that have good people running them. Georgia fans, you know, Georgia fans like to kind of take care of each other and stay in community with each other. Event Buzz Media, a great chance for you to be able to do that. And if you're looking to take your business to the next level, improving the video content that you have connected to your business is a great way to do that. So you see on your screen, for those of you watching on video and if for radio podcast, i read this for you. Website to go to, it's eventbuzzmedia.com. That's eventbuzzmedia.com. Or give them a call, 423-667-0555. Once again, 423-667-0555. And that'll get you in touch with my friends, uh, Ben Green, the whole team over there to uh, Event Buzz Media, just doing incredible work. And obviously here at Dog Nation, we can certainly attest to the value of video when it comes to really helping uh, businesses grow and take their stuff to the next level. So great stuff there. All right, busy weekend in the SEC. We'll cover all of that before we're done, including a story connected to Auburn that, well, you may just have to hear it to believe it, although once you hear it, maybe it sounds like the most Auburn thing you've ever heard. We'll do that before we're done. For now, everything related to Georgia spring practice, including the next step for the Georgia offense, let's talk to John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia, we'll get ready to talk to John Stinchcomb. John, on this show, we haven't really talked to you since the George Pickens injury from last week, so obviously I want to kind of find out kind of where Georgia goes from here. That's important, but as someone who played the game, as someone who understands the mindset of a player that has NFL aspirations, what was your immediate reaction both – as player, but also Georgia fan, when one of the biggest names in the Georgia roster suffered an injury last week, what was your immediate gut reaction when you heard that? Well, my, my immediate reaction was I hate it for him because I know he's a guy that uh, has high aspirations and he's a competitor. He's passionate about the game of football and knowing that's taken away from him for at least the next uh, six months. Uh, it's, it hurts. I, I've been down that road. I've missed time and uh, feeling that disconnection and removal from, from the team. Um, it's hard on a guy and, and mentally there's a lot of wear and tear that comes with, uh, that kind of separation. So first and foremost, my heart went out to George just because of, uh, 
you know, the challenges that he's facing. Luckily, it's, <laughs> in today's terms, just an ACL. There wasn't right. any further damage in his knee, and I think that's encouraging. I, you know, medicine has come so far, and um, uh, I think of guys like Thomas Davis, who's yeah. been down that road multiple times and been able to come back and have a double-digit career in the NFL and played at such a high level that you know, just a testament that, this is something that uh, you can overcome, and you know, it's a road bump that stinks along uh, a personal journey, but uh, it isn't what it used to be in, in you know, the 80s and the 90s where guys are saying, ooh, he tore his ACL, that's, that's it for him. Now, on a Georgia level, um, it stinks because you just lost arguably, uh, at least in the discussion of one of the best wide receivers in college football heading into this 2021 season. Now, Unlike previous years, uh, Georgia has a, a, a roster full of potential and some proven young commodities that uh, you were excited about playing alongside George, and now you're looking at it going, um, we need some of these young guys, some of these four- and five-star guys that we've been so excited about uh, getting to campus. Now they're going to have to suit up and, and step in and um, that's just the nature of the beast that, uh, you know, their injuries do occur and it's that next man up mentality. And when you've got the level of talent that Georgia has been able to acquire, you're able to dampen the blow. Now, anytime you lose a, a receiver of Pickens quality, you're going to feel it. But, um, I think we're better positioned than most years, probably any other year, um, to kind of weather the storm of losing such a high-caliber player. Yeah, I think if you and I were to keep this conversation going for you know a long time, I think we would both end up saying some version of the same thing over and over again. There's no doubt that the Pickens injury makes it harder for Georgia, right? You don't get better by losing what I think was a player in Pickens' case with a chance to really be great this year. And who knows, maybe he comes back and contributes and gives you a great contribution. But had he played for the full season, he had a chance to have a great season George is not better without him, but as you said before, it's not the way it would have been maybe as recently as a couple of years ago where you really didn't have other wide receivers who you could legitimately believe had a true shot of stepping up, whereas now there's clearly a lot more wide receiver firepower there kind of waiting in the wings, and it's simply a matter of, hey, do you have the quarterback that can distribute the football to them? And do you have, and that, to me, this may be the most important aspect of all, do you have the coordinator in place, Todd Munkin? I believe you do, as an aside, but do you have the coordinator in place and Todd Munkin who can just create an offense that schemes these receivers open and gets the most out of them, even without maybe, you know, Pickens, who would have been clearly a, a focal point for opposing defenses? Yes, I think having Munkin in place in year two, not year one, year two in the program, knowing uh, what he's got in-house, been able to recruit and add a couple weapons in, in that receiver room specifically, uh, it, it puts us much further ahead than where we were this time last year. And uh, anytime you have that level of establishment and you have the leadership that you know, Munkin's been around the game a long time at many levels and, and is just coming off uh, his a little tenure there in the NFL. So being able to find guys' strengths, use them against other teams, um, and, and recognizing uh, weaknesses to, to exploit, I think is what uh, sets 
the elite coaches uh, apart from those that know the game and, and seem somewhat qualified on paper, but can't really make that jump. It's, it's being able to recognize the, uh, the unique opportunities and, and utilize player skill sets. I think we saw that a little bit last year uh, with the deployment of James Cook and finding new ways to highlight his abilities. And I, I look forward to that on a much higher scale with a variety of guys. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And obviously one of the names in particular I want to get to here is a guy that we highlighted Friday as a part of our second edition of Dog Nation Freeze Frame, and that's Darnell Washington. Now, John, I'm going to tell you something kind of selfishly from a personal standpoint here is about that show, one of the things that's the most interesting for me is the fact that, you know, I ask you, hey, who would you like to profile? And you got your entire choice of the entire Georgia roster. And sort of who you pick to profile is almost, to me, just as interesting as what you might say about them on the show. And Washington was one of the guys you wanted to make sure we highlighted. Um, so before we kind of get more deeply into what he can do in the Georgia offense this season and why his ascension might come at a really good time with George Pickens injured, what is it about Washington in particular that intrigues you so much that on a series that, at least for the spring, we're only going to do four or five times, that Washington was one of the guys you said, yes, this is definitely a, a player I want to take a deeper dive on a video show with. You know, this, Some of this may go without saying, but what is it about Washington in particular that, that you find so intriguing? Well, he's such a matchup nightmare. I think what jumps out to me first and foremost is how do you match up with this guy? Uh, yeah, Fitzpatrick on the other side, another six-seven tight end, um, probably a little bit further along in his awareness and, and level of play in the SEC. But to have a true freshman come in, and there's some things you just can't coach. And six-seven, two seventy-five, with the ability to move the way Darnell does, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that I'm sure would love to attach their name as the hey, I worked with him, and <laughs> it's like being the O-line coach for Anthony Munoz. Yeah. You know, you, you can you can help tweak his technique, but <laughs> some things is just the, the hand of God, you know? <laughs> they're, they're just blessed. So uh, you, you watch Darnell play. He's such a, a natural mover. Um, he, he Once he gets the ball in his hands, we saw it against uh, Cincinnati in the bowl game. I mean, he, he's able to run over folks. He's athletic enough to dodge tackles. It's just a matchup nightmare. And I, I think that's what uh, was so intriguing when you look at this five-star tight end outside the, the state lines of Georgia that's coming to, to play for us. And you go, man, there's so much opportunity here. Um, and, and your mind starts racing as to the various things that he can do for you. And I think we've only seen the – the slightest glimpse of, of what's to come from him. And, you know, uh, even more so now with a Pickens injury, but this could be a really big year for him as he starts to carve out uh, an identity and, and prime role in this offense. So I want to ask you a question about this. And I'm a little bit in over my skis and trying to word this correctly. So let me see if I can be as clear about this as I can. Before you joined the show, I was talking about this thing from CBSSports.com where this writer was talking about the average route depth for for uh, Georgia players last year. And obviously early in the season, you know, Pickens really the only guy who was really running any kind of, you know, deep route really at all. Obviously when JT Daniels took over, more deep throws became a little bit more commonplace. And what that all made me think of, John, is this. Going back to another elite tight end for a moment when Georgia was recruiting a Rick Gilbert. 
one of the things that he said about the school that he was eventually going to choose is he said, I want to do more than just go run stick routes, which was essentially just five yards and turn around. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a part of the uh, of the progression. He wanted to run interesting routes, deeper routes, and be a chance to really be a pass-catching weapon. So that was his plan. You'd presume that Darnell Washington potentially kind of wants to be used the same way. And I guess what I'm getting to is this, John. How much of that can really be a possibility that we see Washington this season doing more than just running stick routes and being kind of a safety valve if the primary targets aren't available? You know, how much can we see the big stuff like we saw against Cincinnati, like we saw against Missouri that that we highlighted on a freeze frame on Friday? You know, can can Darnell Washington in this offense can this be one of Georgia's primary receiving targets? Or even with his athleticism, is he still destined to be kind of a, how do I want to word this, someone that comes secondary to the other receivers? Sure. And, and, and very fair, valid questions. I think there's a lot of folks out there that probably pay, play Madden and say, ooh, I can do all these things. Or they watch what Kyle Pitts was able to do last year, and you know, it's kind of disgusting because of the colors that he wore. Yeah. But you also recognize, man, that he was deployed and utilized in such a variety of ways. Um, and I would say this. When I did my film study on Darnell this past year, and, and there were some limited reps there, um, just a number of places that he aligned, whether it was uh, true as a, as a wide out, the shifts that they did pre-snap, uh, him being in line I mean, as, as a traditional tight end, it gets you excited to recognize the various opportunities and mismatches that can be created. And I, I would say that with Coach Munkin and his experience, you know, everybody, it's, it's a copycat league. Everybody studies, uh, especially this time of year in the offseason, what what's everybody else doing? What are they doing? How are they creating opportunities and mismatches and generating yardage and points? Um, and to see what how the game has evolved for these tight ends, I think it is more than conceivable to see Darnell uh, and really uh, our, our entire tight end um, staff there deployed in a number of ways. I mean, you're, what you're trying to do is create mismatches, create opportunities. And the way the game is today, it's not, you know, stick route hitches and, and little in routes. I mean, it, the, the route tree for a tight end and where they line up has vastly expanded over these past few years. And, it's to the credit of the athletes like, you know, George Kittle and uh, Mark Andrews, who's a bigger framed yeah. guy. They're, they're lined up in a variety of places, and it's not the same uh, route tree that we knew uh, really just uh, a few years ago. I think the, the role of the tight end is expanded greatly. So let me finish with this. Uh, it's been a fun ride for Georgia recruiting as of late. Malachi Starks chooses – Georgia on Thursday, Jalen Walker chooses Georgia yesterday. And one thing that both those pledges had in common, they were head-to-head wins for Georgia against Clemson. Now, John, one of my favorite games that you played in during your senior year 
was the win against Clemson to start the season that year. First time Georgia and Clemson played, I think it had been about eight years back in 2002 for that game. Raucous crowd. DJ Shockley played a good bit that night. Uh, Georgia blew them out in 2003 uh, after you were gone, but in 2002, kind of a close game. Big Georgia win. And it just kind of reminds me of the way that I grew up in the 80s with Georgia and Clemson being a really big rivalry. These teams are obviously about to play each other to start this season, but how much do you think a little spice added by some recruiting wins for Georgia make these two opponents that are only about an hour and a half down the road from each other as it is probably should be playing more frequently than they do are you glad to see Georgia Clemson rivalry back in your life a little bit I love it I I mean you just hit a big piece of it is it's it's regional game it's an hour and a half down the road yeah half the state is is just as close to Clemson as they are to Athens so knowing the the proximity and understanding that you're talking about two high-level programs right now. It only makes sense. I think fans love that opportunity to, one, play such a high-quality opponent, but, two, it's, it's our next-door neighbor. And um, more and more, as you know, uh, Georgia and Clemson are national recruiters. I mean, you're, you're talking about the elite players across this nation. Um, so to see those battles play out in recruiting, it's it's fun to see uh, the dividends of those investments uh, go up against one another when they actually get to take the field. So uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that this is something that should recur a heck of a lot more often than it does. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of back up the idea of these two schools being close together, I grew up in Gainesville, went to home games my whole life, and We'd go, you know, the Athens Highway up like Pendergrass Jefferson to go to the games. Right there where 85 is, there was a biscuit shop named Catherine's Kitchen. That's where my grandfather and my dad used to always take me to go to uh, these games. And you'd be standing in line waiting to get your biscuit. There'd be, you know, obviously a a ton of Georgia fans on their way to Athens, but there'd be Clemson fans in there too on their way up 85. So, I mean, it's like on a Saturday in that part of the state – as you're going to Athens, you were definitely interacting with Clemson fans almost every single Saturday, just driving a little bit up the road. And, you know, that's kind of why they did play so much back then and why I think in addition to the fact that Clemson's become a college football power and Georgia fans want to take them down a peg, I think what you just described there is a big reason why at least old heads like me, why a lot of people are kind of glad to have this Georgia-Clemson rivalry maybe back on the forefront once again. And quite honestly, Clemson is not the same program that – we played against in, right. in the early 2000s. I mean, the, the establishment that is has developed over the years is leaps and bounds in front of where they were then. Uh, I, I went on those same recruiting trips, yeah. and their their football program just wasn't at that same level as, as what Coach Sweeney has been able to do um, with where they're at now. I mean, competing on a for, for national championships on a somewhat – perennial basis um, just wasn't existent back then. So I think that should only breed itself into more competitive games and more reasons for for Georgia fans and uh, Georgia proper to desire this game to be played out more often because it's it's such a national game. I'm going to let you go, John, but since you brought this up, now I'm curious – and maybe we'll get into more detail on this at some later date. But did you ever consider going anywhere besides Georgia? Your brother was obviously, you know, well entrenched at UGA, you know, before you came along. And, you know, you were a big high school player in our state. A lot of guys like that dream of playing for Georgia. How serious did you get about going somewhere else? I apologize for not remembering. 
Yeah, well, I, I did. I, I wanted to look around. I wanted to make sure that whatever decision I made was uh, to, to find the right place for me. And uh, although the University of Georgia was great for Matt, I didn't want to choose Georgia just because it was uh, such a good fit for him. Now, at the end of the day, I, I, I went around to pretty much every school in the southeast and uh, everything I compared back to Athens. And for the academic quality, uh, the close to home, the, the college feel, and the competitiveness on the field, uh, there just wasn't a better fit. And uh, it also happened to be that I was in the same class as Dog Nation favorite Terrence Edwards, whose older brother was, was in Athens. Yeah. Uh, boss, obviously, with Champ. Um, so we had a, a unique uh, situation where there was a lot of recruiting visits where you keep seeing the same faces and, you know, Terrence and boss, I mean, uh, George Foster, um, you know, Nate Hibble at the time, there was just yeah. a number of guys every weekend you'd see the same group. And we, we talk probably not as much as you can now with social media and Twitter and, and all that, but you get a feel for, Hey man, I think we can create something special with our class and, um, at the end of the day, nothing just uh, nothing's better than the University of Georgia and Athens. So it, it became an easy decision in the end. I'm laughing because had you told me when the day started at some point in time the name Nate Hibble, former Georgia quarterback who eventually <laughs> transferred to Oklahoma, that would show up on today's show. I don't quite think I had <laughs> Nate Hibble's name on my bingo card today, John. I'm glad to have you no. bring up a blast from the past there. Yeah, well, he was he was one of those big recruits. You think back to the what was it, Super Seven or yeah. Elite Eleven or whatever it is, the the preview, and you think who's this quarterback from uh, Jefferson Davis or you know, somewhere South Georgia and shiny blonde hair and big pretty smile, and you see him on all these trips, and that was also that was a unique situation with all the quarterback exodus. When uh, when Quincy really got going, everybody just when, laughed, didn't they? I mean, like they had about half dozen quarterbacks that just took off for greener pastures once they saw Quincy Carter throw the football. And, and were starters in other places. That's Daniel right. Yeah, Cobb at at Auburn, and uh, obviously Nate in, in Oklahoma, um, Kelly Mike down at South Florida. Yeah. So th- there was a number of guys that, that decided to. Mike Usry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they all went different places once they said there wasn't that, that golden path to the starting position <laughs> Quincy quickly claimed. Uh, John, very good stuff. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia today. I certainly appreciate it, and I'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Always fun. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. You just never really know which name's going to come up. You know, you see a lot of threads like this on social media these days of, like, name a random blah, 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 first thing that comes to your mind. It's like, I do kind of like that kind of stuff. It's like, if you ever go to, like, baseballreference.com, one of these sort of geeky websites, they have, like, a feature on there where, like, you can just click show me a random player, and they'll just, like, pull a player, like, at complete and total random and put it on the screen. Like, Maybe one of these days we should just do that. Just go back and forth, all of us just naming random Georgia players and the memory that kind of comes to mind from that. Really funny stuff from John Stinchcomb, but obviously really good stuff there as well related to 
you know, the renewal of the Georgia Clemson rivalry on the field this fall, a lot of that bolstered by what's happening with recruiting. And eventually, I think the Dabo and them will kind of play along with this. I, th- I think they'll they'll kind of talk that up a little bit. And, you know, I think that, you know, maybe Kirby kind of will there as well. I mean, listen, I, the one thing that you got to do is, and this is a little bit different than some rivalries where, I mean, I think the average Georgia fan has respect for Clemson. They've clearly won a ton of games. And you know, maybe there's some frustration related there. Maybe there's a... You know, the, the one thing I think that you'll see Georgia fans stop short of saying is is that somehow Clemson has easily surpassed Georgia when it's mostly beaten up on ACC foes to get where it is, and I understand where that comes from. But obviously, there's not a Georgia fan out there that's like, hey, we're going to go out there and, you know, you know, wipe the floor with Clemson. It's going to be easy. I think a lot of Georgia fans think they have a chance to win this fall, but they clearly view Clemson, I believe anyway, as a formidable foe, and I do think if you want to kind of validate the strength of your recruiting wins – Going head-to-head versus Clemson and walking away with that prospect the way that Georgia did with Jalen Walker on Sunday, Malachi Starks going back to Thursday. All of that is just large, large news here during this springtime for that 2022 Georgia recruiting class. Speaking of large news, I've got big news on a Rick Gilbert. At least, it's actually, that's an oversell. It's not big news. It's a weird rumor, but we'll uh, get to that here coming up in just a couple seconds' time. Before that, though, shout-out to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Divorce process scary and confusing. Frankly, it's not the kind of thing that many of us want to talk about. But one of the reasons why I feel comfortable talking about it is because I do truly care and have a heart for those who are going through this or you feel like you're about to go through that. But here's the one thing I've learned. Life's just too short to, you know, not do what needs to be done. And if this is something that you know needs to be done, then the next step for you is to put a strong advocate uh, on your side because you want to get back to life as you want to live it, be made whole again, financially, relationally, whatever that means for you. You need an advocate to help you do that, someone to fight tirelessly for you, someone to work aggressively to help you understand the entire process. That's what Meriwether and Tharp does. They are your source for Georgia Divorce. You can find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. All right, see if you can follow me on this just for a moment. So there was a story at Saturday Down South. I saw it today. And it was a quote from Mike Farrell, who works for a website called Rivals, on a message board type thing where he said that a Rick Gilbert has been spotted once again in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This is sort of like the line from the movie Usual Suspects where the police are like, hey, we can put you on Queens the night of the robbery. And the character played by Kevin Pollack says, I live in Queens. Uh, you know, th- this is one of those things. I thought of Rick Gilbert lived in Baton Rouge, at least for right now. So I'm not quite so sure that him being there is necessarily all that newsy. But it does, I just think, at least put a, you know, kind of a peg back in the direction of what some of us have said now for a while is, you know, if you've got academic issues, that's what folks around Gainesville, Florida reported as a way of kind of letting Florida fans down easily. Why Gilbert didn't end up there at, at the University of Florida. If there is an academic issue easier probably to resolve that at your current school so you know maybe i guess my take on this my read on this while i can't substantiate or even kind of back up and whatsoever you know if he's currently in baton rouge that that the possibility of rick gilbert you know going back to lsu eventually has never been a door that i've completely closed and maybe this is an example of that door being open a lot of you ask hey what's going on with rick gilbert i think it's fairly obvious that that he's just not on george's radar anymore Georgia's not on his radar, maybe for a number of reasons. 
But there was at least a little bit of an internet rumor over the weekend about Gilbert and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, wanted to pass that along. Arkansas has advanced in the Sweet 16, uh, I should say the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament, getting past Oral Roberts. Really good game. And, you know, normally I'm a little bit of an SEC homer. I'm typically, you know, kind of rooting for these SEC teams, at least the ones I can stomach the thought of rooting for. I was probably rooting for ORU, though, against Arkansas. Um, I, uh, I've enjoyed that run for that team in this tournament. Uh, I'm happy to see them having the success they've had. Uh, you know, some of the, the just it, it's been kind of it's just been nice, sort of nice to see. So I, I f- sort of end up rooting for Oral Roberts a little bit more in the uh, tournament there. But Arkansas does get past them. It was a very good game. Alabama, though, not quite so lucky. The Nate Oates season comes to an end there. A lot of love still for Alabama out there in terms of what Oates is building there in Tuscaloosa, but not able to get past UCLA. Uh, Bruins win by 10 there, move on to the Elite Eight themselves. We're going to hear from Alabama more. This was a team, though, that I said was just so heavily relying on shooting that if you're looking for a for a kind of a top-seeded team that might be vulnerable, Bama was one of the ones that I thought might be. And here's what the other thing that's interesting with the tournament, too. As you head towards the Elite Eight, we actually do get this a lot, and this may be another example of that this year. You know, there's so much like topsy-turvy, ah, oh, crazy upsets, anything that, you know, can happen. And yet, as you get now one game removed from the Final Four, what do you see? Gonzaga as good as ever. Baylor very quietly just thrashing people in this tournament. What Michigan did to a really pretty good Florida State team yesterday, pretty impressive all the way around. You know, you've got these one seeds that are kind of starting to assert themselves a little bit. So the craziness of the – of the first you know, couple of days of this tournament, first couple of rounds of this tournament, seems to be giving way to chalk as we get to the Elite Eight. Uh, and I'd also be curious for the folks who even still care about college basketball and are following the sport, how you felt about the new schedule, not getting the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight, not having overlapping games during the Sweet 16. You know, I've heard different things about this. I'm a traditionalist, so... Part of me just likes the old way because that's what I was used to. But, you know, not having to, like, flip back and forth between two games at the same time. Some people kind of seem to like that. I'm probably the opposite way, though, a little bit. Sometimes I kind of like there to be two games on the same time because the chances are one of them won't be good. So you hopefully you do have a good one that you can kind of watch while all that's going on. Uh, there's a story related to uh, Auburn. This is kind of funny. So many of you may not be aware of this. I guess I was only – somewhat aware of this myself, that bass fishing is a college sport. Uh, I think I think Georgia may have a bass fishing team. Um, uh, Auburn has one, and they're now like on NCAA probation related to something, to like COVID policies or whatever else. But um, like the most Auburn story in the world is the fact that they would have a bass fishing team and then cheat at bass fishing or at least get caught up in some sort of rule snafu related to that this is a pretty funny story maybe i'll put a link to this uh when i post the show at the world famous dog nation.com it's also something i could see us talking about this wednesday on sec country live auburn allegedly cheating at bass fishing there's really i mean i think you've heard it said before that you really want to know a man's character play golf with him there are plenty of people who cheat at golf but to think that you might cheat at fishing is just that's just pretty disappointing <laughs> something about that just seems to be a bridge too far for me all the way around but uh auburn is now dealing with some probationary stuff related to its bass fishing team <laughs> which is a uh, pretty funny all the way around on a more serious note alabama athletic director greg byrne who had kind of showed up as i guess a candidate to replace larry scott as pac-12 commissioner says that's not something he wants to do at this point in time there is no doubt alabama ad is just a better job than pac-12 commissioner uh you couldn't literally pay me to be the pac-12 commissioner right now just given 
I mean, there are a lot of folks out west that just don't like college sports, and some of them are weirdly connected to the Pac-12. Uh, that league is a mess. I don't know there's a commissioner that can save uh, what has just become a little bit of a disaster out there, and some of this is a financial disaster. Remember, they've had to, like, take on investors. You know, they've had to, like, you know, take on, like, capital, you know, it's just a financial disaster. There's a you know some on-field, uh, on-court, you know disasters there too. Uh, so Greg Burns says he wants to stay Alabama AD. I think that's probably a pretty smart thing to do. I don't think right now the job you want is to be Pac-12 commissioner, and we'll make that your SEC through. And as we wrap up here today, of course, we'll do our Gator Hater roll call. We highlight some of the Gator haters in our audience. This one, a, a funny one today, coming from our buddy Chip Gromlich who saw a Florida-themed license plate. Now I'm going to protect some of the specific details from this particular license plate, but it was a reference of a way of spelling gator, almost like the – who was the uh, the Congress lady a few years ago that gave you the, the go gator? Uh, this is almost a, a license plate, maybe homage to that. But obviously G-A-T-A is also a phrase that's been associated with Georgia football over the years going back to the legendary Irk Russell as defensive coordinator. Of course, a lot of folks know what that stands for. So what Chip told me on Twitter was is that he saw the Florida theme license plate with the G-A-T-A on it and said, hey, you need to know that's a Georgia theme. And he uh, gave a really cool note with Irk Russell and the Georgia locker room on there. So Chip Gromlich, very funny stuff. You are our golden shoe winner today. By the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, Gator Hater Countdown, 215 days from right now. Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets a win over Florida. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time off the R.S. Andrews podcast, cool down, chance to react to anything you want to from today's show, or obviously for the podcast commenters, more likely previous shows, previous stuff that's shown up there at dognation.com. A couple different ways for you to be a part of what we're doing here. Simply go to Twitter at DogNationDaily or go to the website DogNation.com. Find the comment section there at the bottom of the podcast post, and you can kind of jump in and add some stuff there. You heard John Stinchcomb talking about Darnell Washington on today's show, a reference to our Dog Nation freeze frame from Friday. Got some really good comments on that I want to read related to all of this. Uh, Montana Dog says, yes, yes, yes. Washington is another Gronk and potentially even better asset than Pitts was to Florida. He means Kyle Pitts there. He's impossible to cover and even harder to bring down. He should be used at least half a dozen times per game or more. So Montana Dog loves the idea of more Darnell Washington. Uh, Dogs uh, 2015 also making the comparison to Kyle Pitts there at Florida says line him up as a receiver the same way Florida did with Pitts, meaning Darnell Washington. So a lot of excitement, energy about using Darnell Washington. Dog Tattoo says UJ has never utilized their tight ends to the fullest, so I'll believe it when I see it. And I do understand that. One of the things I think you see you know, fairly commonly is, is that most college teams do have a little trouble getting the tight ends fully involved in the offense in comparison to the way the NFL teams just really do that. I don't know if it's one of those things where, you know, quarterbacks at the pro level are just a little bit better at getting through all their progressions. I think you do see, you know, a lot of Big Ten teams, for instance, Iowa, Penn State, teams like that, who maybe make tight ends more frequently a part of their, you know, first or second progression for a quarterback. You may see less of this at the SEC level. Uh, You say Georgia's had a hard hard time utilizing tight ends. The truth is, even Alabama, who's had, you know, former five-star guys, O.J. Howard, for instance. Now, Howard had big games against Clemson in national championship games a couple of times, but for most of his career at Alabama, Tide wasn't particularly good at using him either. Maybe it's the same thing about Irv Smith, guys like that too. So Georgia is not alone in 
this talk of getting the ball to tight ends more and then sometimes maybe not getting that done to the degree that they uh, possibly wanted it to. Dog365, mentioning John Stinchcomb, says seeing him on video, he appears to be about half his playing weight. Yeah, John is in great shape, done a great job of slimming down. Ex-players tend to go one of two ways. They either balloon way bigger than they were when they played or they slim way down from where they played. A lot of the offensive linemen do get in good shape in their post-playing career, and John has done a good job of doing that done a really good job of doing it. It's also amazing, too. You see Pollock now, you know, David Pollock is a kind of a fitness nut, and I say that complimentary, you know, in, in a compliment sense, but he's very, very trim, very, very fit. And you go back and see pictures of him playing in Georgia. He looks younger now than he, he, looks younger now than he did then. It's, it's, it's almost easy to forget what J- David Pollock looked like as a player now that he's just so aggressive about staying in, the, in tip-top physical shape all the time. I once played like a pickup basketball game against David Pollock, and it's amazing. You know, my pickup basketball style is kind of a bruiser. <laughs> I'm usually looking to be pretty physical out there on the court. You can't move Pollock at all. I mean, you just can't move him at all. Uh, he's, you know, even being you know much thinner than he used to be, he's just as strong as an ox. Uh, Dogs365 here on the uh, comment section says Darnell Washington could be the most dominant player in college football this year. And next if and next year, too, if he strives for that goal and stays healthy, I'll be mildly and pleasantly surprised if he isn't injured during his three years at UGA. These smaller DBs and linebackers have to tackle a man that big differently to get him to the ground, meaning they'll be maybe looking to go lower on him because of just how much physical strength he has waist and above. And that's, you know, a, a, you know kind of an interesting take on all of that. Nate Jaws also says, does the Pickens injury change UJ's perception regarding the need for Rick Gilbert and vice versa? As I said on today's regular show, I think the Gilbert thing for Georgia, that, that ship has just kind of sailed. I just don't think that's in play. You know, the rumor of him being spotted in Baton Rouge, maybe that means that eventually he could land back again at LSU. I'm speculating here, but it might be easier to, you know, figure out your academic stuff at the school where your transcript is currently located. That just may be an easier process all the way around. So if if Gilbert wants to stay in big-time college football, you know, maybe his current spot may be the easiest place for him to do that. That's just speculation on my part, though. Law Dog 23 on the subject of George Pickens says um, – or actually this is on, on recruiting rankings. He says it's a useless analysis. Star rankings represent potential only. Even walk-ons develop into dominant players. Demetrius Robertson, an excellent example. A five-star that never reached uh, projections. The Alabama Clemson LSU offense had at least one dominant receiver. Uh, one that had the ability to break out against the schemes and, and uh, free up other backs and receivers as open targets. The dogs absolutely need two to three receivers, back wide receiver or tight end, that will consistently burn one-on-one coverages. So does UGA need a five-star receiver to win a national championship? Uh, of course not. Do they need one or two dominant receivers regardless of their high school ranking? Absolutely. And this goes back to something that I talked about on Friday's show and wrote about at dognation.com over the weekend. That obviously you stand a reason that it's easier to create a dominant receiver from the ranks of the former five-star recruits. But but the, the big-time programs, if you want to go back and use 2019 as an example, something I did just because that was the last full season in college football, the LSUs, Alabamas, you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma, I mean – one of Ohio State's best receivers that year was a former three-star. One of Oklahoma's best receivers that year was a former walk-on. So, you know, you can create great receivers out of sometimes lesser prospects. You know, no matter how suspicious you may 
maybe of the star ranking system. It's still easier to do that from the ranks of elite prospects. But if you grew up, if you build a great offense, coordinator capable of doing that. If you have a strong quarterback leading that offense, then you can make stars out of receivers who are less than five stars. And as Law Dog points out, there are some examples of that from the recent history of college football. David One says he thinks that George Pickens has played his last down for the Dogs. You know, George has got a decision to make, and you know, clearly, you know, thinking about his professional future is something that he needs to do. But listen, you know, there are a lot of guys also that like to compete because they want to compete. You know, in pro contracts, sometimes it's called a love of the game clause. For instance, you know, if you're a basketball player, it's not really a great idea to play a bunch of pickup basketball because you're risking injury for something that obviously you're not getting paid for. But a lot of NBA players do have a small clause in their contract called a love of the game clause that allows for them to still play pickup basketball from time to time because they love the game. That's what they want to do. And in Pickens' case, while he's not under contract anywhere, doing college football because he loves it and wants to be the best at it, you know, regardless of what his pro future holds, I mean, he wouldn't be the only one to ever make that decision if that's the decision he chooses to make. Uh, Dog365 once again says, when it comes to the George Pickens situation, that I'd take this offense over any other in 2021 with or without George Pickens, and he adds a go dogs for good measure. So strong take there all the way around. And that's one of the reasons why we love doing our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down, giving you guys and gals a chance to weigh in, share your thoughts on any of the content that we've done here over the course of the last couple of days. So please hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily or online when the show gets posted at DogNation.com. There's a comment section right at the bottom. I'd love to have your feedback on anything related to UGA or the show or really anything else. So we'll look forward to reading a lot of those here this week to come. All right, thanks for being here. rsandrews.com to check them out. They bring the podcast cool down to each and every day. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric. They do all of that for you. Showing up on time, time to get that air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. This is a great time to do it. So find them online at rsandrews.com. Y'all have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. I will look forward to talking to you then, everybody.